Are you a college student looking for better guidance on how to figure out your life after college? Maybe you are slowly looking at jobs, or maybe you are finally getting around to editing your resume, or maybe you are just getting anxiety awaiting for the question at the next big family dinner, what are you going to do after college? Yep, I've been there. That's why I created my career ebook guide to help guide you on the path to young adult life in your post-grad career. From custom resume templates, ways to improve your LinkedIn, cover letter examples, top interview questions, and so much more, it's all in my ebook guide, which you can find on my blog at emilyelizabeth.blog/shop. Emily Elizabeth, and I'm the host of the What Fulfills You podcast, a show for and about individuals always seeking to be their best selves. On this show, we talk all about building the mindset, finding the right careers, creating meaningful relationships, and so much more. Welcome to the What Fulfills You podcast. Hello, everyone. Happy Tuesday. Welcome back to another episode of the What Fulfills You podcast. My name is Emily Elizabeth. I am your host and welcome back or welcome if you are new here. And today's episode is very unique, another unique guest because this guest was actually previously my manager when I was an intern at a digital marketing agency back in 2018 through 2019, basically my entire senior year of college. So it's funny because at the time I obviously did not have this podcast and both of us just have grown so much and have done different things, Um, but she's still at that company. It's actually a very small, small agency, if you will, but that's what I loved about it and that's part of why I applied working there at that time um, because I was looking for something remote and it is a remote company. But aside from that, a little bit about today's guest. Her name is Lulu Burns, and she was born and raised in Los Angeles and moved to Portland, Oregon for high school before moving to Washington, D.C. for college and staying there ever since. She actually went to American University, for those of you who maybe have gone there or currently attend there or at least have heard of it if you are in the D.C. area. Lulu got her start in digital marketing as a blogger herself in college and interned across different verticals of the digital marketing field before finding her niche in influencer marketing. She is currently the head of influencer partnerships at Anchor Media, working with tech clients across Google, YouTube, and Verizon. So as you can probably guess from the title and just from Lulu's background, today's episode is very much focused on her experience with remote work, which I wanted to focus on because she is one of the few people I know personally that has worked remote all of her career, so uh, pretty much since college, and you get to hear a little bit about that on this podcast, and um, I think it's 
really interesting to dive into it with someone who's been doing it for many years prior to the pandemic because they probably usually have some tips on working from home, you know, the time management, how to not get distracted with your TV or your couch or, you know, just trying to find a way to balance it because I do know a lot of people struggled with it at first and some still do, honestly, and I totally get it. So I really wanted to dive into that with her and then also just her expertise in digital marketing, influencer marketing, as you heard from her background, because that's just what she has studied and what she's been working through. And obviously with that industry picking up and a lot of you who listen to this podcast who are relatively interested in that field, maybe to work in yourself or maybe to intern in, try to experience in, or just because you like to know more about the field, but you have no interest in working in that industry at all. I think this episode is just a a very well-rounded conversation focused on kind of just how a classic 25, 26-year-old gal, you know, what her life looks like now after a few years out of college. So I hope this episode is valuable and we will dive into it now. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, This is so, so fun. I didn't realize our journey from Anchor Media would take us here Mm -hmm. interviewing you on the podcast today, but let's just get into it. How about you share your background, where you went to school, what you studied, what you currently do, all the fun jazz. Sure. So I will give you kind of like the whole rundown of things because I think everything in my life has really intertwined in a very weird way to bring me to where I am and kind of how I got my start. So I was born and raised in LA, grew up there, was like a total California kid. And then I ended up going to high school in Portland, Oregon. And from there, I chose to go to college at a school where like no one from my high school ever went. So I was really lone wolfing it when I went off to DC. I went to American University if there's anyone out there who went there too. And I ended up studying communications there. And going into college, I knew that I wanted to do something with communications. I was kind of like dancing around the idea of PR because at the time was when I was at school, that was like the only thing in the communications field that you could do. You could be like a journalist or in PR. So social wasn't, it was emerging, but it wasn't what it is today. And so I feel like I got really lucky because while I was in school, I kind of saw this opening with social and I was always really into um, YouTubing. Like I tried to be a (laughs) YouTuber as all of us do at some point. I had a blog. Um, I just kind of across all of those platforms have been really into them um, since they've been around. And so when I got to college, I kind of saw this opening where I said like, okay, there's no courses available in my school right now. And I pushed to get them available. I pushed, you know, to be able to learn things that were going to be more applicable to what I knew I wanted to do. But unfortunately that wasn't the case. So even though I um, majored in communications, I really say that college was a time for me where I kind of learned a lot of social skills and how to be an adult and independent. But Mm -hmm. when it came to my future career, not so much. And I feel like that was all learned through internships and different um, pieces that I kind of pieced together to be able to learn on my own. And that's that's actually, I think, why we get along so well, because we're both like very much self-starters. We want to learn on our own. We want to ask questions. We want to dive deeper. We want to kind of fail at certain times and like 
use that to push us forward. So Mm -hmm. what I did when I was in college is I just tried to kind of get myself into as many opportunities as possible that I felt like would give me some type of understanding or learning about maybe what I could do in the future. Because in my opinion, one of the biggest detriments in society is when we ask kids like what they want to be when they grow up, because how on earth are we supposed to know all of the opportunities that will be available? And like, if someone were to ask me that in high school, I would have never, ever said what I do today. So I basically took all of the internships that I had and I interned for um, a social media company that was based around food. So of course that was really fun. And I interned for them doing some influencer marketing. And this was back in like 2015. So back when it wasn't really a thing, it was just starting out. Um, And I interned for, I studied abroad in London where I interned for this like fashion tech company, which was really awesome. And that was actually my only time I've ever worked in an actual office. So Mm -hmm. um, I know we're going to get into that later today with remote work, but that's really my only office experience. And then from there, I also kind of interned for um, a local to DC influencer and content creator. So I got to see a little bit of like the ins and outs of what working for an influencer looked like because I got a taste of the influencer world and I loved Mm -hmm. it. So (laughs) coming out of college, I kind of used all of those skills and experiences and found myself um, as a social media manager for a company called Anchor Media, where I still am today. And then now I'm the head of influencer partnerships for them. Wow. Your journey <laughs> is just so dynamic. And I think that was so fun too. Um, like, like you being from LA and then having experienced Portland and then going all the way to DC, which I relate to in a sense, because I grew up in Pennsylvania, then hopped over to SoCal, started out in OC first, and then made my way up to LA. So maybe not quite the same like completely different cities experience but um mm-hmm. yeah I mean I think that's really how you learn a lot in life is like experiencing different parts obviously of the world but just like different environments different communities and so um, I'm sure that really shaped your experience but I do want to dive into uh your remote work and how you did mention being in London, that was the only time you worked in an office. Um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Everything with COVID has shifted the work environment today. And I think that's kind of getting redundant to say, but funny enough, when I worked as an intern for Anchor Media, as you remember my senior year of college, um, I think I had expressed that I had envisioned my future career to be remote somehow. And maybe it wasn't going to be right off the bat, but eventually that's where I saw it. And um, and I liked it because of being location free. I think for me, that is like the ultimate freedom where you can be wherever you want and still produce the same efficient work, which I know even today, some companies still struggle with that because they feel like they need Mm -hmm. to monitor everyone. But I'm curious for you personally, why did you feel drawn to remote work? Why did you go right out of the bat into remote work? And did you have parents or anyone um, that maybe told you, oh, you should try to work in an office first, get experience, that kind of thing? Like, did you have those kind of obstacles? (laughs) So I actually had the opposite, interestingly enough, where my mom when I was growing up, she always worked from home. And so I feel like I, through her, was able to see how you can kind of do it all, especially as a woman. She was a single mom. She worked full time and somehow she figured out a way to do it and she did it all remotely. And so I feel like I always saw that and saw the flexibility that it afforded and also just the ability to kind of work when you're feeling those spurts of energy and then kind of 
scale it back when you're not because that's just the way that humans are made. You know, it's not mm-hmm. like you can just focus for nine hours a day. So I feel like because my mom worked from home, I kind of had almost like this green light to work from home. And she also going into the experience gave me, you know, some tips and tools before it was like the big thing Mm -hmm. on how to thrive. And one of the things that she actually told me, which I always thought was so interesting was that she told me some days you're going to have work and it's going to just take over your life. And you're going to feel like you're at home and your work is your home and your home is your work and there's no boundaries and it's really stressful. But then other times you're going to have days where, you know, work is a little bit lighter and maybe you can do more laundry or you can do other things. You can go for an extra walk and you can do these things and that's totally fine. And I feel like that kind of gave me this freedom and flexibility going into my first job out of college having this kind of new um, way of working where all of my friends, you know, were going into offices and I really had Mm -hmm. to be extremely disciplined in what I was going to do, um, really organized in how I was going to kind of set out to do the work because there is no one looking over your shoulder. But Mm -hmm. I think there's also some qualities that kind of tie back in to people who thrive at working from home because even though we're in a pandemic and most people are doing it, it's still not for everyone. But if it is for you, I feel like it's one of those moments where you really thrive. Speaking of obstacles, what are, what do you, or at least what are some of the obstacles you personally face? And then you also touched on it as well. It's actually not for everyone, which I do agree. And I think there's definitely a lot of people that (laughs) maybe have found that they do love it because they never thought about it before. And there's definitely plenty of people that say they miss the office. They miss being, you know, driving to work, wearing a suit, all of that. And, and, Mm -hmm. you know, I think sometimes you want half and half, right? There's a lot of people out there saying they want both the hybrid, totally get it. And I'm sure we'll head there within the next two years, but I'm curious. Um, what are those obstacles and what do you think some of those traits are at least maybe like on a personal level what do you think someone could take a look at within themselves thinking okay maybe remote work isn't for me and maybe this type of career or this type of environment is better suited for me I think so starting with the second question one of the main things that I've noticed and also just running the intern program and now managing people at Anchor as well and kind of seeing a lot of different people find their stride with working from home and working in a remote environment is I think you have to be a person who has this really strong attachment to the work and especially us being in creative fields you know I think creative people really take on the work that they do and need to do it wholeheartedly because it's more than just work. It's, it's, you're giving part of yourself right to the work. So I think whenever you can have that extra layer of attachment to the work, you're able to kind of um, really be motivated around that. And I've always Mm -hmm. found that that's Mm -hmm. been one of my main motivators. So I think looking at Mm -hmm. that is really important. Also just looking at the way that you communicate. I think a lot of people, myself sometimes included, think that we're really good communicators, but when you're working remotely, you have to like over communicate every single thing, because if you think Mm -hmm. about it, who on earth is going to know that you're putting in all of these extra, you know, hours into something if you're not telling someone about it. So I think there's a lot of communication pieces and something that happens a lot of times with remote work is that people start to feel burnt out because those lines do get blurred. And that is probably my biggest obstacle working from home are the boundaries Mm. Um, just because it's so hard to set them. And it's so hard to kind of turn it off some days because you 
you can just lay in bed and knock out a few extra things, but (laughs) sometimes it's not always the best thing to do that. So finding ways to kind of be able to set those internal boundaries, I think is really important. And that's definitely one of my goals going into 2021. How do you create your boundaries working from home? And I think even this too could be applied to students in college right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think everyone still struggles with, you know, do I have to stick to a desk? Like, how do I prevent myself from bringing my laptop to the couch or to my room, (laughs) right? Like, how do you do it? Again, because I think you've done it for so many years. You've at least have had the ups and downs of like, oh, this works this definitely doesn't work. So what what are your tips for that? (laughs) So I think it is about playing around because when I say I've worked from everywhere, I have. I've worked from all different types of cities, sunny, cold, rainy, snowy. I've worked from my bed, my couch, my rooftop, coffee shops, like everywhere. (laughs) And I do think that that's one of those things where you have to find like, what's the space that makes you feel most in my case, creative, or makes me feel like I'm going to, you know, be able to like sit down and get the job done because I think this space mm-hmm. is so important. And so people say like, don't work in your bed, but honestly, for mm-hmm. me, most days I'm, I start kind of like at my kitchen counter and migrate to the couch by the end of the day, because it's important mm-hmm. to kind of like get comfy. And, you know, there's sometimes certain tasks that kind of just do better when you're a little bit more relaxed. So I think kind of not having those like finite views of how you think it should look working from home is really important Mm -hmm. too, because it allows you to kind of do what's working best for you instead of what you think you should be doing, which I mean, all in all is always a good thing to keep in mind. I think, you know, it's so, it's so interesting just looking back at how, you know, we were working remote and you even said it um, prior to us recording that your internships were also remote while you were in college, aside from um, your work in London. And now all of us are doing it right. Um, And and how it's shifting to this on a personal level, how do you see work going forward and and how it's going to impact, for example, your industry, creative marketing, social media, influencer work. Um, What is your kind of personal prediction, if you will? (laughs) (laughs) I think you mentioned it before about going into the hybrid kind of way. And I hope that that's the way that it goes, because I think that there's a lot of benefit to still being in person with people. There's certain in-person things that you're just never going to get, you know, and you're never going to be able to have like a meal with someone or just like, you know, get to the point where you're just laughing and joking about other things and kind of forging Mm -hmm. those connection. So I do hope that that comes back. And I think it will be because especially in the creative field, like everyone is, well, not everyone, but a lot of people are like really, you know, bubbly and open and they want to make new friends and they like meeting new people. Um, Mm -hmm. But on the flip side, I think also people are realizing that you can actually, if you set the correct boundaries, have people be really successful working from home. And Mm -hmm. I know that that's always been one of my biggest gripes with working from home. And it was really exacerbated like through the pandemic because there were a lot of people who started working from home and literally didn't do anything. And that has never been in my experience working from home. It's always been the complete opposite. So I hope that people start to kind of take working from home a little bit more seriously because you can Mm -hmm. actually, I think, produce sometimes better work in your own environment. I agree with you there as well. I do think it is again, a discovering what environment works best for you. Cause I, mm-hmm. I do 
think it's um, a, a disadvantage for a company to believe that, oh, it's always going to be more efficient for them to be in person or if we can monitor them or we can look over their shoulder. And I think I've always just been an advocate for you got to figure out what works best for you and incorporate that into your own work lifestyle, mm-hmm. work schedule. And for me, and it sounds like for you, obviously, as well, I think we've both been more efficient working at home and being able to work on the go and, and still, you know, maybe sometimes that does mean keeping up with work until 8pm 9pm. But I think again, I think it's when it's something that you wholeheartedly love and love to bring into your life and love to put your heart into I think that's when it's worth it. So um, but I am curious, with that being said, what are some tips and advice you have for college students right now? Because I have a huge I would say college female demographic that listen to this podcast. And of course, some of them will ultimately have a remote job primarily because of, of this shift from the pandemic. But um, what are some tips you have for people, especially because you once uh, did the interview process for hiring, including myself. And so um, what, what are some <laughs> tips you have for those that are kind of uncertain um, about like what to do to prepare, how to show that they're going to be valuable in a remote experience? Do you have um, any advice you'd give to them on what they can do to you know, make themselves stand out in an application pool? Yeah, I have always said that, especially for the intern process, one of the things that I'm always looking for is just a general enthusiasm, because you'd be Mm -hmm. surprised by the lack of enthusiasm sometimes from people. And Mm -hmm. especially in creative fields like this, I think you're always looking for people who are kind of at the end of the day, just always interested in learning and then also asking Mm -hmm. questions, not just looking at something and seeing the status quo and saying like, okay, if this is how it's done, that's what I'll do. And instead saying, oh, if this is how it's done, like, why is it done like that? Could we do it this other way? I also have ideas. And I think that's a really important piece of being coming valuable to a company and and becoming valuable, especially in a remote setting. Because Mm -hmm. if you think about it, so many companies are figuring this out for the first time and they're having to onboard people and learn how to manage people. And they've never done this before. Right. So Mm -hmm. they're trying to figure out what the heck they're supposed to do. And So I think if you can become someone who is saying like, oh, this was a really great part of this, maybe next time do this and kind of offering advice where you feel it's appropriate in an appropriate manner, Mm -hmm. I think that shows a lot of confidence in yourself um, and also is helpful at the end of the day. So I think once you actually get the job, (laughs) that's a great thing to do. Um, The other thing, again, like once you get the job, I think just really being transparent about how you're feeling in the process of working remotely, because it is a big jump, especially for college kids. You're usually, you know, working with other students on group projects in person or being Mm -hmm. physically there in class. And then all of a sudden you're going from all of these people to like being by yourself. Even if you're living with roommates, you have a lot more alone time or a lot more just like Mm -hmm. time with your computer. And I think that can be really, really difficult. So finding ways during the day to kind of still feel connected, especially to coworkers through ping or, you know, chatting with them, I think is also a really important um, piece for kind of maintaining some sort of positivity during the day. Some people have also asked, and I think this one would be a great question for you, kind of tying into like the boundaries of like how you work at home 
how do you also time manage? Mm -hmm. Like, do you time batch? Do you, you know, work from, you know, nine to 12 and take like a two hour break? Or like, do you start off with a workout? Like what's kind of like, I guess more so now your work from home routine. And I guess I would kind of say this has probably been your routine prior to the pandemic anyways, but um, I'm curious, how do you time manage so that you don't get too rusty by a certain point? So you know when to cut it off? Like, do you actually use it? specific timer? Do you even look at the clock? Like, how does it go for you? I wish I was so much better about this, but I am so bad about it. I, my morning routine has like ebbed and flowed throughout the years. It used to be, I used to live in this incredible apartment building that had a coffee shop built into it. So I used to go down there every morning pre COVID. And so now in COVID, I've had to kind of figure out new ways to do it. So now I'm really into my morning walk uh, because I feel like it is really important to wake up when you can and push yourself to get out of bed and do something before you're just sitting down and looking at your screen for a bunch of hours. And I feel like getting outside, getting some exercise, some air is just a great way to start it. And even if it's like 10 or 15 minutes, it, it, makes a difference. So I have been trying to do that a lot as well. I've recently nixed my coffee intake, which I'm like, who am I? Right. (laughs) Emily knows I'm a big coffee lover, like all the coffee shops. I love them. Um, but I've nixed it for this weird, like powder that I drink. That's like this wheatgrass and electrolyte powder, but it gives you this natural energy that is just like I've never experienced anything like it. So I've been doing that recently, which has been really helpful. So I think whatever you're like, you know, lemon water, I know that's what you drink or something like that, whatever it is that makes you feel like good in the morning um, is important to kind of have something to look forward to. But in terms of like time batching and all of that, I really, I'm unfortunately a slave to my inbox and I usually kind of use that to guide my day. And then whenever there's important tasks, um, I kind of block out my my schedule or my calendar and say like, okay, please no one bug me for the next hour as I try to like get through this, this task. So that's usually kind of what I do, but I'm, I'm mostly in my inbox um, most days. How do you set a priority list, if you will, or like the top tasks that you need to accomplish, at least in the first half of the day and second half of the day? Do you use a specific software on your computer? Do you write it down, pen and paper? What has worked best for you? I think this is also something that people would love to know just from someone that's worked in a remote environment for a long time. I'm old school and I've tried a bunch of different softwares like Trello and um, Notes and all of that. And for some reason Mm. that never works for me. So what I now do is I write a to-do list at the beginning of the day of everything that I know is going to come up. And then Mm. from there, I also leave space for everything that's going to come up that I'm not anticipating. But Mm -hmm. from there, I choose um, usually like the three or four most important tasks that no matter what absolutely have to get done. And I put those on a different sticky note so that at the end of the day, at least if I look at that sticky note and it's all done, I can feel good about it. Right. Okay. Let's pivot a little bit into your actual expertise in social media. Obviously, you've transitioned into your current position, which is head of influencer partnerships at Anchor Media. So can you share just kind of how you have evolved with the industry? I remember when I was 
um, finishing up the internship my senior year, you had told me that, you know, because it changes so much, it's something you just have to adapt to. And it's something that is not as simple and easy peasy as, you know, maybe someone in finance would think like, oh, social media, like, ooh, it's so, you know, simple and creative. But obviously, we both know that's not the case. Um, But what are some deep dive tips that you have on, you know, just working in this industry, how to adapt to it at the pace that you have without getting too stressed, you know, certain things to look out for that will put you in a really good position for a social media career or, you know, like strategist position. Um, Yeah, we'll start there. My biggest piece of advice, if you want to get into this industry is to not only talk it, but walk it. I think it's so important to have your own kind of little side thing, whether it's making you money or not, having an Instagram, a blog, a podcast, a YouTube channel, whatever it is, it's really important to kind of be staying on the... I don't know, just like staying in touch with what is actually going on, right? Because you can consume, 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 but creating content is so different than consuming it. And I think that really helps you understand where certain content creators are coming from when you're partnering with them. It helps you generate better ideas when you're doing brainstorming for campaigns. It also helps you stay on top of all of the latest and greatest of what's coming out, which feels like every couple of weeks, there's something like absolutely new. I mean, just in the last year, like TikTok has boomed, there's reels, there's all of these different formats, there's guides. So it's really important to kind of stay on top of it. And I know when I was first starting out, um, I was told like, okay, you should always be, you know, looking at all of these different outlets for the latest news. And it kind of overwhelmed me because I was like, how am I supposed to like always stay on top of this? Like it's always changing. But I think that's one of the things you have to be a little bit laid back in this field because you have to always know that like if you did something that worked yesterday, it's not guaranteed to work tomorrow. So you always have to be, you know, kind of looking at the data of what's working, what people are saying, and take that in and then be dynamic enough to figure out new ways to kind of put content out. So I think kind of staying on top of the trends is really important and always just deep diving. And even if like, especially when you're starting out, if you can almost become like an asset and a resource and be that person where it's like, this person always knows what's new, you know? So like, if you have a question about something that's new, go to them. Like that's so valuable, you know, especially when you're starting out to kind of carve something out for yourself. So anything like that, I think is really great. What about advice for bloggers and influencers from your perspective? Because you obviously do a lot of <laughs> outreach to influencers. You've you know done the partnerships mm-hmm. with them in getting them partnered with a hotel or maybe a certain campaign. Um, being from your side, what are some tips that you have for influencers out there? And then also to dive into like what data you look at. Do you actually look at their followers? I mean, it's obviously different from the time that I worked at Anchor, but you know, are you calculating their engagement rates still? Are you looking at other factors? Like how, you know, from your side of the table, how would you um, advise fellow influencers? 
Yeah. I think it's, you know, it's such an interesting field to be in because it's such a game, right? And sometimes you're an influencer and you're being, you know, reached out to other times you're reaching out to a brand that's your dream brand to work with. And so, you know, it's always kind of this dance around like, what's the sweet spot of the budget that's available versus the partners that we could, you know, partner with and what their analytics are and and everything like that. Because at the end of the day, even though it's about creating content, it's also about ROI and making sure that, you know, you're actually getting something out of it. So I think at the end of the day, if you are an influencer um, and looking to partner with a brand, like always just coming with a ton of enthusiasm for the brand. Again, it sounds so simple, but sometimes you don't always get that. So enthusiasm and really just even if a brand is approaching you, like selling yourself about why, you know, you're worth their while and really leading with the analytics that are going to make you pop. So whether that's, you know, maybe they're like an e-commerce brand. And so they're more interested in link clicks or like always understanding what the brand's goal is, because that way you can also figure out, okay, if their goal is just, you know, general awareness, like maybe I can do more stories because that creates more impressions for them. Or, you know, I can do, you can figure out what maybe would serve the brand the best so that you create content that obviously looks great and is wonderful and hits all the key messages, but also ends up making them look really good to whoever their, you know, key people are. And that way you can figure out more ways to partner with them in the future and kind of pitch yourself saying like, this is what I've done and look, I can do this again for you. Right, right. It's funny because I actually use that for when I first got started into hotel partnerships where I, you know, once once I started, for example, Canopy by Hilton is one um, that I've worked Mm -hmm. with twice already. And so they are a great example where I showed one, hey, this is what I did for this other Canopy. And they're like, okay, like totally got it. And I felt like that resonated with them immediately because they saw this connection and alignment and I showed them the examples um, right away. But you know, for me as well, I consider myself, I guess, what you might call like a micro influencer blogger or whatever, being under 10K. Um, what are your thoughts on when you're searching for influencers for a specific campaign? Um, do you, does your team really take a look at followers numbers or what are the other types of data that you take a look at that you feel like is more valuable to see the ROI compared to followers today? It's a tricky question because it really depends on the campaign, you know, what you're trying to accomplish and kind of like what tier, you know, you're working with. Because if you are working with super large partners, it's also sometimes harder to work with micro partners because they could produce really wonderful content. And for the analytics that they provide, they could actually have like super high engagement or you know, for their following, deliver a ton of link clicks, but it just looks different. So um, I think kind of tuning into what is serving your audience and like what your audience is responding to. So like maybe you are an influencer that for some reason, like people just always swipe up on you, like use that to your advantage. You know what I mean? Like whatever the piece of information, and it could be that you pull a ton of impressions. It could be that you have a super high engagement rate. It could even be that you have not as high of an engagement rate, but the comments that are coming in are actually about the product or brand that you are promoting, you know, because that's valuable too in its own way. So figuring out that and just finding your own way to kind of package that information to say like, hey, 
people are actually engaging with the content and they're excited about what I'm excited about too, which is your brand is really important. But I think across campaigns, like the actual metrics that people look at are kind of all across the board. But I think in general, it usually comes down to like reach impressions, engagement rate and link clicks. So would you say that most people, again, being on the other side, when they're evaluating an influencer, do they actually take a look at the comments and do they actually kind of take a look at how they get their engagement and how in-depth their community is versus, again, just followers? Because we also know there's plenty of people that do have fake followers and, you know, um, maybe 15,000 followers, but 100 likes on a photo, which is like a little bit like, hmm, that's a little interesting, right? So like, is that something that you would say people really do take a look at? And again, advice for those that might have tried the the followers, the peer followers route and not doing the community aspect? Yeah, I, I mean, I know I can speak for myself that I always want to make sure that I'm IDing and partnering with people who Mm-hmm. are like the real deal, you know, and I want people who yeah. have engaged audiences and who are like always looking for the next thing that that influencer is posting about and like eager to know what's going on with them. And I think that that really usually does showcase through the comments. And so when, when I come across someone and unfortunately it, it happens a lot where there's a ton of people where I'm like, Oh, I wish I could work with you. Like you would be so awesome. Or like mm-hmm. you love them for some re- other reason, but for me, when I look at the full package, I'm like, but like, there's just this missing piece. And for that reason, Mm -hmm. you know, I think a lot of different agencies do it very, very differently. But for me, again, I like the full package of a really engaged audience. So that's important. Mm -hmm. Two more questions. Uh, Do you see your career in this field full time? I know this is something you've been you've been with Anchor since you graduated, you've Mm been in social media in general for the past couple of years? Is this something you project as your future career? Um, How have you felt um, with this career in this industry over the past couple of years with the ups and downs, the the level of stress? Um, I guess give a little bit of insight for those that do want um, some deeper insight into like what the reality is of working in (laughs) this type of job. (laughs) The reality I think is that there's a lot of ups and downs because it's really stressful in a way that I think people don't understand unless they're in. And that's a lot of fields too. But I think in this one, especially there's just, I mean, specifically this year, there was so much that could have gone wrong, you know, and there's so many times where like, maybe it wasn't the right time to post, or maybe, um, you know, you partner with someone and then something, you know, kind of, unfortunate comes out about them or like, there's just kind of a lot of factors that are up in the air. So I think there's a lot of stress around that. The other piece is that influencers, a lot of influencers nowadays, especially larger influencers have management. So that this kind of um, goes away, but with certain influencers, you know, they sometimes do it on the side or they're, they're doing it themselves. So their emails are like around the clock and they never stop. And so I think it is one of those industries where, you know, there's a deliverable and you have to meet it and there's a deadline and you got to get to it no matter what. So there's that work-life balance, I think can be tough because a lot of it is just like, well, we know it's been like a lot of weeks of long nights, but we still have to get it done. So it's a trade-off though, because I feel like, um, if there's one thing that people usually tell me, it's like, wow, I'm, I'm really, 
jealous isn't the right word, but people will say like, I am inspired by the way that you love your job. And it's true. Like at the end of the day, I just, I love what I do. And I feel like it's so special that I get to wake up every morning and be really excited about the work that I get to do. And so as much as people can kind of find ways to find what they really love, I think it really makes a difference because working is not always fun. (laughs) You know, it can be exhausting and stressful and all those things, but when you love it, those things become more manageable. So yeah. So I think that's, um, yeah, ups and downs, but at the end of the day, I love it. So it kind of all is worth it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I I love your answer because it's definitely a great pivot into the next and final question, but you did, I I think it's kind of rare to, I I mean, I don't know. I don't want to say really rare, but it is semi rare to come across someone, especially at our age too, in their twenties that can foolheartedly say they love their job, right? Like, I think sometimes that does take a longer time to come, you know, come to, um, uh, like, to understand, like, okay, I actually love this job. This fulfills me. This is what I actually love to wake up to do, right? And I think a lot of people in their 20s, that's kind of like that ultimate question is, how can I find a job that aligns with me or a career, not necessarily just a job, but a career path that aligns with me where I really love it. And I think that's so awesome that you have been able to find that in this career path, because again, not many people say it, at least from the types of people that I come across in our age and our demographic. Um, But with that being said, I'm sure you've heard this question before, but the final one, um, kind of revolving around what you love to do, but ultimately what fulfills you in life, whether that's work, relationships, anything in your personal life or a combination of it all, what fulfills you? So I've actually been thinking about this a lot recently because when I was in college, as I mentioned, I've dabbled in YouTubing and blogging and Instagramming and all of these different pieces. And when I was doing that, I what I was really doing was like expressing myself and putting pen to paper in some creative way about like how I was feeling. And I was internalizing my thoughts and like really working through them, you know, and like being young and free and and doing all of those creative things. And then what happened to me is I got, I started working and, you know, I did kind of try to figure out like, what is this balance of how do you work, especially in a creative field and then still maintain your, your own inner creative person, right? Because those two things should be different. And when I started working, I stopped blogging, I stopped Instagramming, I stopped doing anything creative that was just for myself. And more recently, I've tried to pick up some more pieces that are more creative. Um, I'm launching my own podcast and tried to get more into just like writing for myself and not even for like the world anymore, but um, doing more things that kind of get me more in touch with like who I really am at the core of who I am, especially as like my own creative being. And I found that no matter what, it's like when I'm in that creative power, that's when I feel fulfilled. So, and when I do that for myself and no one else, because I think one caveat of going into the creative field is that you can get burnt out because you're giving so much. So just remember that you have to keep some for yourself because that's how you kind of like fill your own pot. Oh my gosh. I love the way you put that. (laughs) Fill your own pot. That's so sweet. (laughs) 
Um, where can everyone find you? I know you're not as public on social, but maybe even if it's just Anchor Media, where can they find some accounts? Just check it out and explore that realm of social media and that industry. Yeah, they can find me at Lisi Lulu, L-I-E-S-E-Y. L-U-L-U. And then you can find Anchor Media at Anchor Believe underscore media. So it should be my bio too. Sweet. I'll link that in the show notes. Yes. And yay. Thank you so much for being on today. This was so fun. Just, you know, digging into obviously catching up, but just digging into the remote work and just your expertise in doing this for a couple of years. So I am so glad we got a chance to chat. I am too. So fun to catch up. And I always love catching up with um, all of our former interns. I should also mention we are hiring both paid positions and internships. So if this sounds interesting to anyone, you know, feel free to drop us a line at Anchor Media. Ooh, I am sure there will definitely be some people dropping you guys a line. So (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Thank you, Emily. And that was today's conversation with Lulu Burns. And as you heard her say at the end, her company is actually hiring. So be sure to check out Anchor Media, their website. I will link all of that in the show notes. And I just have great things to say about them. As you guys heard in this conversation, she was my previous manager. I worked there my entire year of senior year. I was an intern my first semester of my senior year, and then by the spring semester, I continued to be part of their team. I was a paid intern then, so it was just an awesome experience, and I think if you are someone in college right now looking to gain remote work experience, especially in the digital marketing or influencer marketing industry, then I would highly recommend to check it out. I will link all of her socials in the show notes as well if you want to find a way to reach out to her, connect with her, that kind of thing. And as always, you know how much it means to me if you rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. It just takes 30 seconds. So, you know, I always love seeing that from you guys. But either way, I appreciate your endless support and love for listening to the show. And I will talk to you all next week. 